0: Transmitter device activating. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone,
1: welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze
2: Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Bit of a sore throat, but I'm powering through. Pizzi just said there a very interesting thing. He said that we explore the legacy of DC Comics' Golden Age characters through the Silver and Bronze Age mm-hmm. of Comics. And that's what we're doing today. Pizzi, would you like to tell everyone about the Golden Age character that we're going to be talking about today? I would be delighted.
1: Today, we're talking about a villain.
2: Ooh.
1: In the Golden Age of Comics, there was a recurring Hawkman villain called the Ghost. Later brought back in the Silver Age and rebranded as the Gentleman Ghost. Ah. But in the Golden Age, he was only known as the Ghost.
2: Well, that's interesting for a start, because I didn't know that.
1: There you go. Mm. Now, the ghost first appeared in Flash Comics number 88, which came out on the 8th of August 1947. He was created by Robert Kaniger and Joe Kubert. That story was reprinted in Secret Origins number 1 from 1973, and was just titled The Ghost. I'll give you a short summary of that story. Mm -hmm. I should explain what the ghost looks like. Basically, he's a guy in a white tuxedo suit with cape and a top hat, but he has no head. His head is gone. He's like a ghost. Instead of his head, you can just see his monocle, where his eye should be. Amazing. Oh.
2: I love the gentleman ghost. It's As a visual, Yeah. it's oh it's yes. amazing. Absolutely amazing.
1: I've been racking my brain as to how to make a pot of vinyl with a gentleman ghost, and it's not happening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start hassling you to do that now.
1: <laughs> In this story, the ghost and his men commit a series of robberies across the globe. Police are baffled, as nobody was seen committing the crimes. Hawkman and Hawkgirl fly to London to investigate and find the crooks robbing a bank. The voice of the ghost is heard, but it turns out to be a recording. Now, during this encounter, Hawkgirl is captured and taken to the ghost's hideout. Oh no. Hawkman follows and rescues his partner just before she is unmasked. Oh gosh. The ghost escapes to a belfry where he apparently falls to his doom. However, that turns out to be a movie projection. it. That was Flash Comics 88. As I said, he is a recurring villain, which is quite unusual in The Golden Age. Mm. Now, his next appearance was in Flash Comics number 90 from the 10th of October 1947. The story was titled The Crimes That Couldn't Have Happened, and that's also been reprinted in Wanted issue 7 in 1973. Oh, well, that's handy. Uh In this story, the ghost returns, robbing a bank and a museum. The Hawkman plants a phony news article about a rare diamond. The ghost tries to steal the diamond, but Hawkman and Hawkgirl surprise him. The ghost gang is captured, but the ghost himself uses a flash gun and appears to blow up, leaving no trace of him. But Hawkman does manage to get a photo of the ghost and it just seems to show an invisible man.
2: I'm very glad that I invested in complete sets of the 70's Secret Origin and Wanted series and I'm very glad that my sister bought me the hardcover of Wanted for my birthday last year because that means I can quickly reread that story as soon as we finish recording. Tremendous. You certainly can. Hmm.
1: Now, regular listeners of the show know that we use com as a good source for a lot of information that we get and Mike's website is a fantastic resource however, it's not always 100% accurate for example, Mike lists flash comics 91 as being an appearance of the ghost however there is no appearance of the ghost in that story interesting there may be a bit of confusion because the story is titled believe it or not the phantom menace
2: <laughs> really it is
1: genuinely called the phantom menace
2: that's hilarious that's brilliant you have to send a photograph of that splash page to to our, our friend Derek roulston because he's still mad about the prequels <laughs> he'll be delighted yeah,
1: there's no ghost in it, but the story's about crooks who use an invisibility serum. Hmm. So there we are. But the ghost is back in the very next issue, Flash Comics 92, right. from the 10th of December, 1947. That's also been reprinted, this time in Detective Comics 439. Right. I think that was maybe a hundred page, hundred okay. pager, I think.
2: Interesting. It's called
1: Riddle of the Clown. In this story, the ghost is in a crime spree in Paris. Hawkman and Girl stake out the Louvre to capture him, but it goes wrong. Hotgirl is captured again. <gasps> Hawkman figures out the ghost's next target is the opera house in which the Sage of Pagliacci is being performed. He arrives in time to rescue Hawk Girl, but the ghost detonates a bomb and vanishes without a trace. Wow. Is he dead? Will he return? Oh. Interesting. So these are all Golden Age stories. Yeah, this is all in Flash Comics.
2: Yes, that ostensibly mm-hmm. ostensibly take place on Earth 2. Yes. That's the hook that we're hanging this week's episode on, listeners.
1: Because Flash Comics was an anthology title, as well as mm-hmm. Hawkman. It also had Adventures of the Flash. At this point, it had The Atom. Okay. Or on the cusp of Johnny Thunder becoming yes. Black Canary at this point. Yeah, there, yeah there's all sorts of stories. Yeah. Yeah, Ghost Patrol
2: was another story that was in Flash Comics awesome. at this time. We haven't mentioned the Ghost Patrol for a long time.
1: No, true. The next one that Mike's lists is in Flash Comics 93 in a story called Horseman in the Sky. It's also listed in comics.org. But again, there's no appearance by the ghost. It's all about Western-style bandits robbing airplanes in the sky. Wow. So both sites have got that wrong there. But we get it right on the Earth Two podcast, folks. There you go. (laughs)
2: That's fascinating. As I say already, I'm glad that some of these stories have been reprinted because my interest has peaked. I might have read them in the past, but I'm definitely going to have a look at them again. Mm -hmm.
1: now. The Ghost's final Golden Age appearance was in Flash Comics 103, just before the end of the title.
2: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: And that was from the 10th of November, 1948, in a story called The Ghost's Criminal Cruise. This is a riot, this one. (laughs) Hawkman and Hawkgirl help out a friend by being celebrities on a cruise.
2: Amazing! That's like what you get nowadays when Doctor Who actors get stuck on a boat with fans for three days at a time. Wow! It's
1: hilarious. The ghost finds out about this from a newspaper, of course, and decides to make the ship his next target. Now he and his men rob the passengers of their valuables. Hawkman swoops in to capture the ghost, but it's not him! It's just a dummy rigged up to look like him. Ooh. And in what has now become a tradition, Hawkgirl is captured yet again.
2: Come on, Shearer, sort it out.
1: <laughs> Hawkman discovers the ghost's hideout behind a fake ventilator on the ship and he takes out the gang where the ghost escapes. He then finds Hawkgirl chained to the anchor. Gosh. The ghost knocks him out and chains him to the anchor as well. Gosh. Then he drops the anchor in the ocean. Oh my goodness. Fortunately, our heroes manage to get free under the water and fly back to the ship. Now, while trying to escape, the ghost appears to get his foot caught in the anchor chain, just like Mark Strong did in that really bad Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. movie, and is dragged to his apparent watery doom, leaving just his white top hat oh, behind.
2: Are you not a fan of the mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies?
1: Oh, dear God, no.
2: <laughs> anyway. Interesting. Well, <laughs> then, stay tuned for our new Sherlock Holmes podcast.
1: <laughs> now, throughout all these stories, as I said, he's only referred to as the ghost. Yeah. And also, there's no mention... Of him being called Jim Craddock, Ah. which is a thing we'll come across
2: in this story. Interesting. Was there anything about his origin in any of these stories?
1: Absolutely nothing. Mm. Uh, As I said, it seems to be tech that is used to mimic him being a ghost. Right. Because there's recordings and dummies and there's not anything that actually proves he's a ghost. Interesting. Now, also, there were several other DC, including Fawcett and Charlton characters, called the Ghost. Quite a few villains. That includes a villain of Superman's, Zatara. Green Arrow, Minuteman, Mr. Scarlet, and indeed, Captain Atom, who's probably the one that occurred most often. Gosh. So yeah, the ghost, it's not exactly the most original name. However, it is one that was quite
2: popular at the time. That is interesting. So yes. Most of these guys obviously are going to pop up in the podcast sooner or later. That's quite cool.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That's fascinating, especially the, you know, as you say, the fact is that the Golden Age version is a tech-based character. Yeah. That is interesting because obviously that's, you know, as we will soon discover, that's not really the case with the other version so the inevitable question is pc mm-hmm. when did you first encounter the gentleman ghost
1: it was in an issue of batman it was about 319 right. i think roughly i remember the cover i think batman was being hung over some sort of lava pit yeah or something. it's like a cauldron or something and the gentleman it? ghost was yeah something like that and character fascinating as you said it is a really unique look to the character mm-hmm. and it's just such a hook for yeah especially a young reader yes to read well yourself
2: well i can date this very specifically i won't give the precise date because my sister won't thank me but the day my sister was born it was a monday and it rained and i was at school and a girl in my class at school i can't remember her name now i think it was jennifer marched up to me i remember in the class and i was this was primary two for me so i was like six and a half nearly six and three quarters and she says you like batman you can have this and handed me a slightly earlier issue of Batman than the one you described. The one with the red cover. Okay. I want to say issue 309, 310.
1: Okay.
2: Which has the Gentleman Ghost and Batman and a coach and horses and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yes. And she had me this because, you know, she had obviously seen me with my copy of Green Lantern 110 or my Just Leave America number 171 and all that sort of stuff. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: that was when I first encountered them, And I remember... I remember walking home at the, the lunchtime with the comic inside my parka to stop it getting wet. <laughs> I can date it, precisely. <laughs> I can't do that <laughs> for many other characters sure. that we've encountered on the podcast, but I can date that one quite specifically to a certain Monday in the late 1970s. So, yes, and ever since, he's character characters fascinated me. Today we're doing stories from two issues of The Atom and Hawkman, issues 43 and 44, and I have to say, like, Doing the preparation for the bonus features for this episode was tremendous. Mm -hmm. I've been able to try and scrounge as many Gentleman Ghost covers together as I possibly can. Excellent. So listeners, make sure you check out the socials. There's some 80s covers. There's the Batman covers that we both mentioned. There's even a a visit from his new 52 version. Oh, exciting.
1: Yeah, they do interesting things to him post-crisis and change things quite a bit.
2: Make sure you check out Instagram and Facebook for those. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. The Atom and Hawkman, issue 43. Basically, listeners, Hawkman got cancelled for poor sales and got merged into the Atom. The story we're doing from issue 43 was published on the 1st of April, 1969. And it's a Joe Kubert cover, which is stunning, quite frankly. PC's going to tell us all about it.
1: It's a nighttime cover. There's a full moon living in the background. (laughs) Take a drink. And riding into it is the gentleman ghost himself on a white horse. Although it's mostly in shade, it's very effective. You can see his lack of head quite clearly through the full moon in the background. And in the foreground being trodden over by ghostly horseshoe prints is the body, the ragged body of Hawkman. Mm. It's a very, very effective cover.
2: It's tremendous. I mean, it looks like it's a bit wet and windy and rainy. It's it's very striking. I mean, I have to be honest, mm-hmm. I can appreciate Joe Cooper. Mm. I'm never sure what I think of him drawing superheroes, especially after a certain point in his career.
1: Sure.
2: I always think of him primarily as a Sergeant Rock artist, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lots of his war comic covers that they did sort of late yeah. 60s, early 70s. But it's it's always, for me, it's always a bit of a dislocate to see him drawing superheroes. And, of course, he drew Hawkman back in the day, you know, way before this. So it's... Yeah. And mm. as you said, he co-created... The Gentleman Ghost, along with Robert Canninger. He certainly did. And Robert Canninger wrote this story. Did you go? Everything coming full circle. And listeners, bear in mind what Pete C was saying about some of the, the key plot points of those early adventures that he, that he summarised yes. for you, and see if any of them mm. seem familiar as we read through. I'm sure we'll comment on them mm. as we go along. I'm sure we will. Listeners, I can't tell you, I haven't looked forward to doing a story as much as these for absolutely ages. I probably said it as I'm, I probably said quite recently that I was looking forward to it, but these ones are phenomenal. <laughs> Shall we begin? Yes, let's do so. Awesome. Page one of the first story. Hawkman appearing in Atom and Hawkman issue 43. We don't open with a splash panel, but instead we open with a caption that says, As a dense fog drops like a funeral shroud over
0: nighttime London, a haunting drama is being enacted as Hawkman pursues a black raven toward Big Ben. Big
2: Ben, a.k.a. St. Stephen's Tower. There you go. Great, fantastic art straight away. We can see the fog that you always get in London, even to this day. Uh Hawkman flying through the fog Chasing the black raven This is stunning As Hawkman flies along He is thinking Mustn't lose sight of the raven It's the only clue I have to And he's cut off because the raven And it continues in the next panel And then it seems to laugh Hawkman swooping towards Big Ben's clock face Exclaims What? That bird laughing at me And then in the next panel Hawkman has caught the bird He's grabbed hold of it and again, this is a very expressive face mask that Hawkman wears here. It's tremendous. Mm. He has grabbed the raven in his hands, and it's still laughing at him. Ha <laughs> ha Hawkman says, hey, The bird is stuffed. Then where's that laughter coming from? Yeah, and the laughter seems to continue. Then we move to a larger panel where we get another cracking shot. I mean, this is stunning. As a someone who loves London more than life itself, this is phenomenal. Hawkman is beside the clock face of Big Ben, and standing on the hour hand is none other than the Gentleman Ghost, who is proclaiming. Ha 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 You certainly were taken in by my little ghostly jest, Hawkman.
1: This joke's gone far enough. I'll prove you're no ghost.
2: We arrive on page two. An inset panel shows the Gentleman Ghost firing twin pistols at Hawkman. Bam! Blam! As he says, These high pistols won't give you that chance, Hawkman. Not a ghost of a chance. Ha 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 ha! as he laughs again, and then, over a sequence of three panels, as he continues to laugh, the Gentleman Ghost says, No such thing as a ghost, Hawkman! Then why do you lie still as death? As we see in the larger panel that these panels are inset on, Hawkman has collapsed onto the minute hand on the face of Big Ben. Good grief! Now, the next caption is terrific because it's basically made up out of some rope hanging from a gallows, and this text says,
0: Is there such a thing as a ghost? In this modern day and age, can such a weird apparition really exist, defying the natural laws which bind everyone else in the world? We neither credit nor discredit the spectral scenes of this startling story. They are offered for your approval, or disapproval. Now, as the phantom plunderer will soon shout, Come Come to my hanging, hanging.
2: the outrageous Outrageous origin origin of the Gentleman Gentleman Ghost. Ghost. Terrific.
1: And in the top right-hand corner of this splash, we've got the credit box, which says, story by Robert Kaniger, and the artist by Murphy Anderson.
2: And frankly, listeners, get yourself a copy of this to read because it's stunning. So, Mm -hmm. straight on with the story, the first caption on page three says,
0: Let us turn now from the mocking laughter of the headless ghost atop Big Ben to merry old England of 150 years ago, when... An infamous highwayman terrorized the roads.
2: This is a great panel. Murphy's obviously taken the lead from his Spectre, cohort, Jerry Grandinetti. Within the one panel setup, we have essentially three panels worth of story. The first panel shows a crescent moon high in the sky and an old fashioned coach and horses being chased by a top hatted caped man on horseback. He's firing his pistols at the coach and horses, and someone within the coach cries, It's Gentleman Jim Craddock. And the horseman, he says, Stop him! And then we see a close-up of gentleman Jim Craddock and we can see black top hat, black cape, a frilly lacy collar and immaculate white gloves and yes, the monocle. And he says, in response to the coachman, you can try, but no one ever has as he continues to fire. And then in the next panel, we can see that he's been successful in his robbing as he rides off, waving back and the two passengers of the coach and horses are stood beside the vehicle. The female passenger says, he's tipping his hat after robbing us. And the male passenger says, Always the gentleman. Gosh. A slow dissolve then. The caption for the next parole says,
0: The king of the highwaymen seemed invincible, but he had one
2: weakness. Yes, he's a saucy devil. We got a good shot of Jim Craddock here. He reminds me a little bit of Captain Boomerang. (laughs)
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) He's got brown hair, big mutton chops, bit of a mullet type thing going on. his hair, curled up at the front. Still wearing his monocle and he's in a pub. He's got a plate in front of him on the table and he has grabbed hold of Kate, the serving wench. By the waist, he's pulling her towards him, the saucy devil, as he says, Let me have a taste of your sweet lips for dessert. Kate's not having it, quite rightly, she says. Oh, Gentleman Jim. Oh. <laughs> Carry on, Hawkman, this episode, quite quite literally. <laughs> the caption then for the next panel says, One dessert too many proved the highwayman's undoing. Yes, the door to the end is open and a couple of red-jacketed soldiers have entered. One soldier Beating his rifle in front of him says, You'll get your reward for betraying Gentleman Jim to the law, Maid Kate. (gasps) Kate grasped him up. Jim's appalled. He says, You've caught me, varlets, but you won't hold me. Gosh. If Hammer Films did an issue of Hawkman, listeners.
1: Wow. (laughs) Mind-blowing. Yeah. Jimmy Sangster should write this.
2: (laughs) Not that Jim Sangster, obviously. No. (laughs) We arrive at the top of page four. A tiny caption says, In a convivial mood, all of London turned
0: out for Gentleman Jim's execution at Margate Square.
2: Yes. Now, Jim's hair has gone white in this panel. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe he was in prison for a long time. Or
1: just the shock of being caught.
2: Exactly. And he's standing on the gallows. He has a noose around his neck, still wearing his top hat, still wearing his monocle. We can see the hooded executioner standing in front of him. And Jim is saying to the crowd, So, you've come to my hanging, eh? Well... Goggle and leer, Charles. You've not seen the last of me. I'll come back and I'll loot your treasures. Aye, I'll come back. I'll come back. And that last bit is a massive close-up of his deranged-looking face. And then, in the next panel, again, very Jerry Grandinetti. Mm-hmm. It's obviously that Murphy's been taking notes, I think. Yeah. Point of view is from below the gallows as the trapdoor opens and Gentleman Jim falls to his death. And as he falls, he thinks, I'll come back. The rest of this panel, which is very nicely designed as if it's a bit of parchment, a scroll, shows a now-translucent, ghostly version of Gentleman Jim floating through what looks like a sort of golden haze. As he floats, he thinks, I'll come back, and a bit of text says,
0: But instead of eternal darkness, he plunged through a blazing bolt of dazzling light.
2: Gosh. Now the next caption, very cleverly, you can tell that (laughs) Murphy's been reading the Spectre. The next caption is basically, printed on a silhouette of Gentleman Jim Crudock. And this text says, Through a rift in time, the highwayman plunged forward
0: 15 decades to the present, with a fantastic transformation, changing him into a bodiless spirit.
2: This is an excellent pan. This little sequence might go in the socials, I think, as we see. He's now completely white. When we'd seen him previously, Gentleman Jim was dressed sort of in a dark blue, but he's now completely white. His face has vanished, and he's appearing in what seems to be Swinging London. Now, you can tell it's Swinging London because there's an old-fashioned double-decker bus in the background. There's a girl wearing bell-bottoms. There's another girl with a short skirt. There's a lad with long hair in a medallion. And there's a man carrying an umbrella wearing a bowler hat. Now, London still is exactly the same as this. (laughs) Like in this panel, every street is made up of cobbled stones. It's fascinating how it's never changed. Mm. And it's fascinating how every single American comic always has such an accurate depiction of what London is actually like. So is appearing, Jim's ghost is appearing, and the young girl in the short skirt exclaims, A man without a face. And behind her, the hairy lad with the medallion cries, It's a publicity stunt for the Invisible Man. They must be reviving that cinema again. And the other girl who's there screams, Eek! And then we get a close-up of a man with a moustache in the foreground of the panel. He says, But, but, how
0: are they working it?
2: Stunning. Listeners, get yourself a copy of Atom and Hawkman 43. That's great. Right, the caption for the final panel on page four then says, Into the eerie night fog, the headless ghost strides, slowly fading from view. And this is interesting because he's coloured in dark blue, but then fades through to white as he marches into the fog. There are onlookers, including a small dog, watching him. And as he fades away, Gentleman Jim is thinking, Strike me! If I haven't come back, as I vowed. If the townspeople are startled by my ghostly appearance here, Wait till the gentleman ghost robs them blind. And with a laugh, he fades into the fog. Now, top of page five.
0: In a swift series of strikes, the phantom plunderer defies and bewilders the police of
2: Paris, Rome, Madrid. This is stunning. The artwork here is amazing. I've never seen Murphy do anything like this. of you? No, this is great. Mm-hmm. It's so different to what he's done before. Now, this is an interesting panel. There is a large gentleman ghost clutching bags of money looms over a sort of montage of cityscapes. Now we can see what looks at the Eiffel Tower. We can see a dome, which is obviously a reference to the Vatican or something. And then we can see some other buildings, which probably meant to be some of the the Gaudi stuff. I don't know. Along the bottom of the panel, we see in large letters, Paris, Rome, Madrid. And above each city name, there are some local policemen. So if you enjoy Dave Steele's accents, (laughs) batter down, the French police cry, Sacre bleu! The ghost wonders of the time and place of his robbery, but he loots us just the same. Then the Italian policeman says, Mamma mia, our bullets have no effect on the ghost. And Then the Spanish cop cries, "Es Marlo! he is not human. So no offence to our European listeners. The caption for the next panel on page five says,
0: Shortly at the Midway City Museum, curator Carter Hawkman Hall is being harangued by Shearer Hawkgirl Hall, his wife.
2: This is great. Shera's wagging her finger at Carter. Ha <laughs> ha We should describe him. is a very attractive lady with red hair, and Carter has his mop of curly black hair. He's holding a little Buddha statue by the looks of things. Shira, she wags her finger as saying, Will you stop fiddling around with your exhibitions, Carter, and listen to me, please? I remind you, we came from Thanagar to study Earth's police methods. A bizarre band that is baffling the forces of law and order. The self-styled gentleman
1: ghost. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he's no ghost or gentleman, and...
0: I'll prove it. Moments later, the flying furies take to the night sky. Cracking shot of our two heroes taking flight, Hawkman says, There's a scientific
1: explanation for every supernatural phenomenon.
2: Unless the supernatural is the natural that science cannot yet explain, says Hawkgirl. And the next panel shows them, oh, they've obviously flown across the Atlantic. Listeners, isn't that exciting? Yep. We can see a crescent moon as they approach. Take a sip. Yes. Ha <laughs> Yes. Yes, not a full drink. Just a sip when it's a crescent moon. Yes, we see the cliffs of wherever it is in England that they're arriving. What girl's sing. The ghost evidently delights in challenging the police. He boasted that his next target is the Bristol Bank at Trafalgar Square. It must be a ruse, Hawkman says.
1: No, that's not his modus operandi. He'll be there all right, and so will we. Now, here's my plan.
2: The Bristol Bank at Trafalgar Square is no longer a bank. It became a music venue in the the late 80s, and I saw Mainsbury perform there in 1996. I didn't, actually.
1: It was 1997.
2: Yes, Trafalgar Square facts. Trafalgar Square is the site of the National Gallery and one of my favourite places in the entire world. The National Gallery follows me on Twitter, listeners. That's about the only thing in my life that I can ever actually boast about. And the number of days of my life that I've either spent sat in the National Gallery or sat on the steps outside eating my pieces, I could not tell you. Often proclaimed as the centre of the UK by old-fashioned people like me. Trafalgar Square, fantastic. Anyway, so we arrive... Page six. Midnight
0: at London's Trafalgar Square. Silent statues atop Nelson's Monument stare down through the misty darkness.
2: This is stunning. Again, this caricatured sense of London being perpetually foggy. maintained. (laughs) We can see the silhouettes of Hawkman and Hawkgirl standing at the top of the column. That's an amazing image. And we also see down in the square, firing his pistols at a couple of unfortunate policemen. It's the gentleman ghost. And he's saying, Those London bobbies won't stop us any more than did the others. And he laughs. The caption for the next panel says,
0: Seemingly marble statues suddenly come to life. Turn to hurtling,
2: winged figures. Yes, the hawks fly down towards the ghost. We also see that the ghost has a couple of long-haired, no-good accomplices who fire their pistols up into the air at the hawks. The ghost says, What apparitions are these? No matter. Wing them. And he laughs once again. And a tiny caption says, Continued on the second page following. So... We arrive at the top of page seven. Page seven's a full panel page. It basically just shows Hawkman striking and taking out the three accomplices of the Gentleman Ghost. So we arrive then at the top of page eight. A caption says,
0: Suddenly, spectral laughter echoes through the misty
2: streets. So, we're in London, right? And this has happened. Hawkman notices something and says, Hawkgirl, a prisoner. Yes, the Gentleman Ghost is holding Hawkgirl by the wrists. He has her captive. <laughs> Hawkgirl says, "'Never mind a threat to me, Hawkman! Stop him!' the ghost, laughing again, says. "Methinks I've heard that before. I like your spirit, lass, but will your Hawkman dare risk losing you if my pistol is real?' Hawkman says in the next panel. He,
1: "'He's right, Hawkgirl. I, I can't take the chance of you being harmed.'
2: "'Huzzah! A noble sentiment, sir,' replies the ghost.' Take his bird away, men. Now, do you think he means bird as in the colloquial British version of saying girlfriend? Bit
1: of column A, bit of column B. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I think he just means because she's hot girl. And we see that the gentleman ghost's accomplices are taking hot girl towards a car that's parked. Hawkman stands in the next panel, addressing the ghost, and this is interesting way mm-hmm. this has been laid out actually, because the ghost stands full length, but Hawkman's almost an insert, and again, as Pete said earlier on, it's clear there is no head, just a hat floating in the empty space in the monocle. Very, very effective. Hawkman says Strange as you didn't leave with them. Everything I do is strange, Hawkman. At least it gives me the chance to end your ghostly career. Yeah, Hawkman lunges forward, making a fist. The ghost replies an idle boast, as I shall demonstrate. And he laughs. Hawkman grabs the cloak of the Gentleman Ghost, but he says... Huh? He disappeared? Like a... Yeah, the clothes appear to be empty as so if there's nothing near. And a disembodied voice says... Like a ghost, Hawkman? Ha 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 Gosh, the final panel is tiny. You see that Hawkman has got a hold of Gentleman Ghost's cane. He's opened up the top and he says... A tape recorder hidden in the cane... I knew it was just trickery. Oh, that's interesting. A bit of tech involved. So we turn the page, we pass an advertisement for the giant sized Superman 217, which has at least one story that we've referenced on the podcast. And the top of page nine, as a caption, that says
0: From his belt, Hawkman lifts a Thanagarian detector instrument.
2: Yes, we see Hawkman crouching, and the discarded cane and hat and cape of the ghost lying on the ground behind him. Again, Great shot of the cobbled streets <laughs> that London definitely had in 1969. As he crouches, Carter is thinking,
1: Just as I figured, my lustrometer reveals tyre marks left by the getaway car. Marks invisible to the naked eye, but glowing under the emanations of the lustrometer.
2: Yes, and we can see a sort of pink trail that's been highlighted by Hawkman's device. He flies after it in the next panel, thinking,
1: Leading me straight to that crooked ghost and Hawk
2: Girl." Yes, we can see he's following the car. That they took Hawkgirl away, and now the caption for panel three says,
0: Inside the Tower of London, the gentleman ghost still has his human weakness as the headless figure holds the struggling Hawkgirl.
2: Yes, and over a little, another very Jerry Grandinetti-style montage of three images within one panel, we see the ghost struggling with Hawkgirl, holding up with the wrist, and he's saying, Strike me. So you would resist me. I prefer defiant women. It adds spice to a sweet dish. Oh dear. What a charmer, eh, listeners? Mm. Caption for the final panel of page nine.
0: Just then, a gush of wind at a window. Yes, they left
2: the window open, probably deliberately. Hawkman whooshes in the open window. One of the ghost's acolytes says, Hawkman, cut up to us. Deal with him, says the ghost. Remember, he's a mere mortal. Gosh. The word mortal, I learned because of Captain Marvel, Shazam. So there you go, listeners, I bet you did too. Mm. Top of page ten. Hawkman punches out in one fell swoop all three of the ghost bad guys. As he does this, he says,
1: The Tower of London will be a fitting place to imprison you and your masquerading leader. Once I get through knocking the stuffing out of you, I'll expose his trickery.
2: Knocking the stuffing out of you. Sounds like a very British colloquialism that Hawkman's picked up there, isn't it? It
1: does, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, the next panel. Hawkman is flying forward. Hawkgirl's in front of an open window. Hawkgirl says, The ghost fled through this window. I would have followed him. But he clipped my wings, and yes, we can see that Hawkgirl is not wearing her harness. As Hawkman flies over, he says, Stop calling him the ghost. He's as real as you
1: and I, and I'm going to prove
2: it. So we're clearly back at the beginning of the story now, as we see Hawkman flying towards Big Ben, a.k.a. St. Stephen's Tower, through the fog, and he says, Nothing in sight but that black raven. (coughs) Quack! Quack! Says the raven. Hawkman continues, Could it be a challenge from the ghost to follow him? And then we right back at the beginning of the story. Hawkman stretched out on the, the minute hand of the clock, the ghost bouncing on the hour hand. And a caption says, Then, as
0: we've seen, the jeering ghost trail ends at 4.10am atop the huge hands of the famous old clock, where...
2: And the ghost laughs and says, A taste of powder from my pistols has ended your appetite for pursuing me, Hawkman. And he laughs. I have a sore throat, kids. I'm sorry. I can't do the laugh. Top of page 11 then, the first caption says,
0: Suddenly to the mocking ghost's amazement. There's
2: another great panel of the fog enshrouding the top of Big Ben. (laughs) London is is like this. Mm. It's not really. (laughs) Hawkman seems to be moving. The minute hand, the ghost cries, Hawkman, using his weight to swing the minute hand down at me. But I left you for dead.
1: I slumped a moment before you fired.
2: The next panel, Hawkman uses the minute hand to strike the ghost. The ghost seems to fall backwards saying, Huzzah! You're indeed a worthy opponent, Hawkman. And he laughs as he falls from the clock. In the next panel, Hawkman flies down towards him, thinking...
1: He's laughing to the end, but I'll catch him before he reaches the ground and end this ghostly charade.
2: And then the caption to the final panel of page 11 says...
0: But as Hawkman reaches the ground below...
2: Yes. Now this is very interesting. It's take me a second to describe this. Hawkman flies down and he says... Hot girl, where is he? Sheera is standing, and she's got her hand on what looks like a, a movie projector, and there's a white screen in front of her which seems to have an image of the gentleman ghost. Hmm. Sheera says, has an image on the wall. Casper, this movie projector I found here when I followed you. You fell for another of his pseudo ghost tricks while well, he made good his escape somewhere. And as we arrive at the top of page 12, a fantastic panel, the gentleman ghost dominates the image. He's laughing, ha ha ha, echoing around. He sees hat. He sees monocle. No sign of a face. Hawkgirl and Hawkman stand close together. Hawkgirl says, "Now explain something to me. How could you have left me to the mercy of the ghost?" And Hawkman replies,
1: "I knew I could rescue you at any time, but I wanted him to lead me to his loot. And stop thinking of him as a ghost. That's what he wants the world to believe. But the evidence of the tape recorder and movie projector proves he's as human as you and I. Now, darling,
0: give me the kiss you refused him." Gosh.
2: And a closing caption says,
0: There's the haunting evidence, readers. Hawkman believes the figure he's pursuing is a man, a fraud. But is he you know differently? Or do you? You'll find out in the next encounter between Hawkman and the Gentleman Ghost.
2: Or will you? Hmm... And that's it. That's the end of the story from issue 43. The next page is a fantastic DC house ad for issues of GI combat, Our Army at War, and Star Spangled War stories, and out of the three of those I have the Our Army War, so that's interesting. Superb. Gosh, well listeners, did you spot some common elements from the Golden Age story that Pete C <laughs> recounted earlier in the episode? Yes. That was fascinating.
1: Hawk girl being kidnapped again. Mm-hmm. The use of the uh, tape recording and the fake costume and everything. And the, the movie projector as he falls to his yeah. death. All just yeah. kind of repeating himself, which is fantastic.
2: And as, as we said, London is the location. Mm. We should say, this is the Silver Age Hawkman mm-hmm. who is on Earth 1. He operates on Earth 1. Yeah. He's the alien policeman, come to Earth to study methods, as opposed to the Golden Age version, who was the reincarnated archaeologist and all such things. It's fascinating to think that because we're on Earth 1, slightly similar events are happening slightly later on yeah. in slightly different circumstances. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yep, definitely. I mean, as PC said, it's kind of a recycling, but you know, we're trying to be positive here.
1: Oh no, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. You know, this is for an entire new generation. Yeah. He's obviously thought, okay, I'll write a Hawkman story. Who is a popular Hawkman villain back when I used to write him? I know. Let's let's use the ghost, but give him a bit of a tweak. This time he is actually properly a ghost although hawkman refuses to believe it which is fascinating
2: mm-hmm. so. it is i mean there's a bit of the dramatic irony going on here because we mm-hmm. we know that there's a ghost because we've seen jim craddock's origin we've seen him being hung and what have you yeah but hawkman isn't privy to that information so that obviously leads us to the brilliant closing caption but that says well you know you know differently listeners or do you it's yeah this is immaculate quite frankly yeah. this is one of the best rendered things we've ever it's done
1: fantastic yeah it's so so good and so concise, it's great. Mm-hmm. Not a wasted panel, not a wasted caption. And no. the artwork's beautiful. It's great.
2: I love the kinetic movement of it all. I mean, as I said, there were yeah. several panels that echoed sort of the Jerry Grandinetti style, but
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: You know, the full page of page seven of Hawkman mm-hmm. fighting the bad guys, which we'll put in the socials because we didn't read it obviously. Yeah. You can just tell that's Murphy Anderson. No one else mm-hmm. draws as clear and precise dynamic action as that. It's it's wonderful. Yeah.
1: And the colours are really vibrant as well. Again, we've talked about the colour palette increasing at mm-hmm. DC at this time and this mm-hmm. is certainly part of it. Yep. Sensational. Yeah, sensational. It's really interesting, though, that, the, that this actual ghost is still using tech to fool yes. Hawkman, which is hilarious.
2: That is interesting. I wonder if that will be explained or expanded upon in episode 2 we I'll see episode two in the next issue. It's, it's very interesting, because if he is a, a real ghost, is he just doing this stuff to mess with Hawkman? Or is he not a real ghost? But we think he is. It's fascinating.
1: Let's jump ahead and
2: find out. Indeed. So... Issue 44 of The Atom and Hawkman, published on the 3rd of June, 1969. It's a shame we're not doing the Atom stories, but not to worry. We'd be here all night, and (laughs) I don't think they actually involve Ray going into Unless they do, do they involve Ray going into any other dimensions or perhaps enjoying a seafood dinner or or something or nothing? I don't believe so. Well, actually, he goes to Sub Microscopic World in this story in Issue 44, but this is not the Sub Microscopic World podcast. No. You'll have to find that one elsewhere. So, Pete's you want to tell everyone about the fantastic cover to issue 44 of the Atom and Hawkman? Once again, I'd be delighted. Mm. Again, it's a very dark cover.
1: We have Hawkman, and he's being forced into like a sarcophagus. Yes. It appears to have a Hawkman-esque figure on the front. Mm. And he's been forced in by the gentleman ghost, who's yes. pointing at the sarcophagus's Hawkman neck with his cane, and he's saying... Ha
2: ha ha! Now you're struggling, Hawkman. This tomb will be your home for the next... Thousand years! Exciting. Tremendous. I wonder if this cover reflects an actual event in the story, unlike the cover to the last issue, mm. which was amazing, but mm. a little bit symbolic more than anything else. So, without further ado, we shall leap straight into issue 44 of the Atom and Hawkman. We have an opening splash panel. Down the left-hand side is a massive bit of text that says... Hawkman. And there's a little text caption at the top that says,
0: Once again, the winged master of justice is confronted by the most mocking master of menace of all time. Is the gentleman ghost real or a figment of Hawkman's feverish imagination? Or...
2: And so we have a large opening, not quite a full splash, a large panel, which shows Hawkman standing with his back to his wings spread wide, and he's confronted by no less than five different gentleman ghosts. Gosh. And they all speak. The first one says, Gadzooks, Hawkman! Am I the gentleman ghost? The next one says, "Or I." The third one says, "How about me?" The fourth one says, "Don't just stand there gawping, Hawkman." Guess, and the final gentleman ghost says, "You have one chance in five of being right." Tiny captions tells the story by Robert Caniger, Arthur Muffy Anderson, and a bit of text underneath says, "Judge
0: for yourselves." As Hawkman goes hunting for a ghost that may or may not be here, there. Or everywhere.
2: And a large bit of text on the other side of the page says, The "The ghost ghost laughs laughs." last. It's a shame that didn't say here, there, and everywhere, because then I could have made a reference to Paul McCartney's hauntingly beautiful ballad on the Beatles album Revolver. (laughs) So, we arrive at the top of page two, and a caption says,
0: Confronted by the semicircle of sardonic specters, the winged wonder whips out a Thanagarian instrument.
2: Well done, Peter. Yes, this is very interesting. Hawkman is holding a little device. It looks very actually like something I'm sure we had the Sandman using a few years ago.
1: Oh yes, uh uh-huh.
2: There are little radiating waves of concentric pink and more vibrant pink radiating out. As I say, buzz for repetition, for radiating. Hawkman is saying,
1: Revealed by the fluoroscopic beams, gunman concealed inside ghostly attire. It's a criminal mastermind laying a ghostly trap trying to play mayhem with my imagination.
2: Well, that messes up the really striking opening splash panel straight away, doesn't it? Yes, we see black silhouetted forms within the more spooky ghostly forms of the gentleman. One of the hoods, who's disguised, says, Hope man's found us out. Drill him. And the rest of page two, is taken up with another massive panel of Hawkman punching out the five different gentlemen ghosts with a sock and a whap and a crunk and a whunk, And they all proclaim their pain as he does so. So we arrive at the top of page three. And the caption for the first panel there says,
0: Suddenly, mocking laughter turns the embattled Hawkman towards a figure of spectral sartorial splendour.
2: Yes, this is very interesting. Hawkman is holding one of the disembodied ghosts that he's just knocked out in the previous page. Holding a bit of the scruff of the cloak as it flails in front of him. And a very spooky figure is laughing. I'm not going to do the laugh, I have a sore throat. And we see a gentleman ghost running away, trailing loot behind him. And he's saying, you've bagged yourself a bevy of boggling bandits, Hawkman. But now, ghost, you're welcome to catch me if you can. The next panel shows the gentleman ghost crashing through the window. He was running towards the previous panel. As Hawkman says,
1: I've bagged you this time, gentleman ghost.
0: No use hiding inside your clothes like the rest of your battered bandits. And then the caption for panel three
2: says, The next amazing instant. Yeah, we see that Hawkman is holding, well, he's holding a monocle, by the looks of it. And a voice is coming from it saying, Now you see me. Now you don't. Ha 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 Hawkman says, That con man's still
1: up to his illusion tricks. He left me with a talking monocle with a miniature tape concealed
2: in it. Good grief. The next panel, Hawkman is poking out of the window. And we see what looks in the background, a very familiar bit of architecture. Yes, they're in Blackpool. though they're probably in Paris. The ghost appears to be skating away on the overhead telephone lines. Just
1: like Airwave used to do.
2: Yes, I was just thinking that, actually. (laughs) Airwave hasn't yet appeared in the podcast, I think, but you will turn up before too long, really. So yes, as the ghost laughs away, as he scoots off. Hawkman shakes a fist and says, There's the real criminal racing along those telephone wires. Hawkman flies after him in the next panel. We see the ghost leaping from the, the telegraph lines and into an open window of a building, Hawkman says.
1: The ghost made a mistake ducking in that office. He'll stick out like a bandaged sore thumb.
2: Well, the next panel, Hawkman himself, has gone through the open window. He's arrived inside the building. We can see lots of men tapping away at uh, little keyboards. It looks like as if they're little, wearing little hats, like visors. I'm not really quite sure what this. how you, else you would describe this. There's rows of them at desks no. tapping away. They look like telegraph operators or something, perhaps. Maybe could be. Could be. You yeah. Maybe sort of seeing old-fashioned films. There's a couple of suited chaps are obviously in charge. Hawkman, as he lands on his feet, says,
1: "Eh, the ghosts vanished. He's escaped through another door. Blast him! He's a thorn in my side,
2: a speck in my eye." Hmm. Caption, however, for panel two says,
0: As the winged lawman angrily leaves, he cannot hear mocking laughter amidst the machine gun clatter of typewriter keys.
2: I get the sense that if this was a movie, we would have tracked in Yes, towards what we see, which is a, a headless figure, still wearing one of the little visor hats, tapping away on a keyboard, tap, 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 and laughing, ha 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 ha, as the next panel shows that this figure has typed the words, the ghost. Dot, dot, dot. Gasp. Caption for panel four.
0: Later, amidst the gaudy displays of flamboyant attire at a mod shop.
2: Listeners, this entire panel, as far as I'm concerned, justifies the existence of this podcast. (laughs) Quite frankly. We can see the ghost, still headless and faceless, obviously, hat floating, monocle floating. And he's addressing a member of staff in this fancy gent's clothing store. Gadzooks, a handsome pair of gloves. I'd like to try them on. And the chap behind the counter says, May I compliment
1: you on your clothes, monsieur. They are what the Americans would call le groovy.
2: It's almost like we've wandered into the Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons episode, Model Spy. <laughs> if you haven't ever seen that, kids, I recommend it unreservedly. The night Jerry Anderson died, that's what I watched. <laughs> I was really? like, I'm watching Model Spy. There we go. Gosh. Now, this is fascinating because in the foreground of this panel, there's a couple of lads who are hanging around this boutique one is wearing a very smart black suit and a striped tie. He's combed back, dark hair. Very neat, goatee, moustache, beard thing going on. And his friend wears a purple suit, quite a loud tie, and has a mass of dark brown curls, big sideburns. He also has a moustache. And the first guy is kind of saying behind his hand to his friend, Fantastique, formidable, curl imagination. He's all style, with no face to distract attention from his clothes. And his friend says,
1: I won't rest until I find an outfit like that for me.
2: God I say?
1: Now, these two guys, I must say, the one on the left looks like, remember the adverts in the comics for Count Dante's self-defence? Oh, my goodness. Count Dante, the deadliest man alive.
2: Vaguely, yes. As con- yes, uh-huh.
1: And the one on the right looks like Jason King.
2: Yes, I'm sure that's deliberate, the Jason King lookalike guy. <laughs> The guy on the left, he looks like a slightly, insignificantly built Vandal Savage. (laughs) It's quite amusing. But no, yes, I definitely see the Jason King influence there. Mm. Other podcasts will tell you if Department S started broadcasting by this point. So, we arrived at the top of page 5, and a caption stuck on the side of a, the base of a statue says,
0: But outside, ordinary people, not in the mod, do not react so casually to the ghost as he recklessly walks the streets of Paris.
2: Yes, now Paris, this is actually quite accurate. Again, there's some cobbled space in a square, there are trees growing up. out There's a couple with their dog who look a little bit surprised. There's a guy in the foreground who looks very surprised. Someone else behind the gentleman ghost is terrified. He's running off with his hands in the air.
1: And in the background, there is a Volkswagen Beetle, I believe. A Blue Beetle. Perhaps the first <laughs> appearance of the Blue Beetle on this podcast.
2: Yes. Listeners, this remind me to tell you of the time how Peter antagonised me slightly when Captain America's Civil War came out, saying that there was another reference to another superhero. Do you remember that? Do you remember saying to me, oh, the other superhero? And I was like, what? What? And you went, well, the car, the Blue Beetle. And I went... Oh, of
0: course, <sighs> yes.
2: I went off for crying out loud or something. <laughs> anyway. So as the ghost parades... Through this Parisian square, he's thinking. It's the lonely, without a pert winch to warm the cockles of my heart. <sighs> At the sight of me, they all flee. No one loves an invisible man. In the next panel, a young lady with her dark hair and a ponytail. You can see she's wearing dark glasses. She bumps into the ghost. She bumps into him, which is as he has a physical form. And she says, Oh,
1: pardon. It is my fault. I am so clumsy because I am blind.
2: Well, that's unfortunate. Gosh, the caption for the panel three says,
0: Sensitive as a butterfly's wings, the beautiful young blind girl's fingertips glide over the ghost's invisible features.
2: Ah, so he's just invisible. He does have a physical presence. That's very interesting, yes. Mm. And we can see her hands up to where his face should be. And she says,
1: What a handsome, sensitive face, monsieur. So firm, so strong, yet so gentle.
2: It's almost like we've flown in Destiny Angel from Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons for that part, isn't it? (laughs) Gentleman Jim Craddock is thinking, At last! I found a winsome maid who doesn't shrink at the sight of me. She must have unique psychic powers. She's the only one who can actually feel my features. I can't let her go out of my life. At the next panel, we see them approaching a nightclub that's called Le Figaro, and it has a sign that has the name in big letters, and there's a giant sort of clown face wearing a sort of Piro hat, smiling down. The ghost and the young lady are walking towards it, the ghost saying, Fate brought us together, mademoiselle. So we could have dinner at Le Figaro, she says.
1: Who could refuse fate, especially? Such a nice one. I will be most happy to dine with you.
2: Well then, the next panel's a bit trippy, listeners, I won't lie. The caption for it says...
0: Finding the restaurant closed presents no problem for the ingenious ghost who quickly animates it with festive attendance for the lovely blind girl.
2: Yes, this is crazy. What we see... Well, rather like the gentleman ghost himself. There's an empty red dress standing on the stage obviously filled out by a comely female form we can see some invisible musicians playing some violins behind them and the waiter who is attending the ghost and the girl who sat at the table in the foreground of the panel he doesn't seem to be visible either it's not too clear it looks like he might be wearing glasses and a toupee actually from from what we can see here <laughs> yeah the blind girl gives us some more details about who she is
1: imagine i Zita, the fortune teller, never dreamed I would meet anyone as wonderful as you.
2: A fortune teller, eh? Then you may be the very person who can help me. The caption, then, for the first panel, of page six, says:
0: Later in the fortune teller's parlour, an eerie glow emanates from a crystal ball.
2: Yes, we see Zita gesturing with her sharp fingernails the crystal ball in front of her. And helpfully, Zita tells us what it's showing.
0: mais non,
1: I see you on a scaffold in London. 150 years ago, they call you Gentleman Jim, King of the Highwaymen. They are about to hang you.
2: And we zoom in almost for a close up of Jim as he was with the noose round his neck, looking very much like Digger Hartness, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang. And Jim is once again saying, So, you've come for my hanging, eh? Well, goggle and leer, Charles. You're not seeing the last of me. I'll come back and I'll loot your treasures. Zeta narrates what happens next when she says.
1: The trapdoor is sprung, but instead of dying, you plunge through a rift in time. 150 years to the present, transformed into a ghost.
2: Yes, and amongst some twirly green stuff, there's no other word for it, Jim transforms into the translucent ghost, says, Strike me, but I'm not dead. But while I look for my body, I'll go on looting everywhere. I'm not bound by natural laws. They won't have a ghost of a chance against me. And he laughs, and I have a sore throat, and I can't do the laugh. We arrive at the top of page seven. The caption for the first panel says...
0: Conjured up in the eerie glow of Zeta's crystal ball, the ghost beholds.
2: Zeta gives a bit of dialogue here where she says...
0: Now
1: I see Hawkman, the man who has sworn to capture you. Oh, I wish I knew how to return you to your own time so you would be safely beyond his
2: reach. Yes, yeah, so on the crystal ball we see Big Ben and Hawkman chasing the ghost away from it. Very interesting. Not quite what happened before, but more or less. The ghost looks on and says... Never mind me... What about your eyes? Is there any way of curing your blindness? In the next panel, we see that the image on the crystal ball has changed to show a display of glittering fancy jewels. Zita points towards them and says,
1: Somewhere in this world is a rare jewel. A diamond or a pearl or a ruby, perhaps, or an emerald. I know not which, but its unique rays, when shone into my eyes, will restore my eyesight.
2: Gosh, there's an emphasis on a sort of ruby here. I wonder if that's going to be the case. In the next panel... The ghost has grabbed Zeta in an embrace and he says, I'll get that jewel for you, Zeta. Nothing and no one will stand in my way. You have the word of the gentleman ghost. I won't rest until I restore your sight. Now you may be forgiven for forgetting this was a Hawkman story. The caption <laughs> for the next panel says,
0: Later in the hotel room of Carter Hawkman Hall and his wife, Sheera, Girl, visitors from the planet Thanagar to study Earth's police methods.
2: That's a useful recap and we see Sheera sitting reading Maluska newspaper, and she's saying, Listen, the ghost warns he'll steal the Empress Rana's emerald necklace from the Louvre Museum's ancient Egyptian exhibit. The ghost. Carter's not having it. He puts his hands up in the air and cries, Ghost, ghost, ghost. There's no such thing as a ghost. Very sick, Doctor, there, Carter. Very sick, Doctor. He continues, saying,
0: Just a man masquerading as one. The
2: caption for the next panel. A
0: swift change into their secret winged identities.
2: Yes, the Hawks have taken flight, and again, they appear to have visited Blackpool. No, obviously, it's Paris. As they're flying along, we can see the Eiffel Tower. Hawkman says, Do me a favour, Hawkgirl. Stop jabbering about the ghost for the
1: next few minutes, will you?
2: (laughs) Hawkgirl replies, saying, You don't have to snap my head off, Grumpy. Just because you can't catch the... Oh, you know who I mean. A slow dissolve, then. First caption of page 8 says,
0: Later at the ancient Egyptian exhibit hall.
2: We can see a couple of French guards amongst the sarcophagi and other paraphernalia. And it seems as though there's a a little grey fog drifting through the room and it appears to be emanating from the base of the large sarcophagus at the front of the panel. The first guard says, If the ghost comes, I will uh, uh, make filet mignon of him. His colleague says,
0: Or, uh, Le hush. Caption for panel two. The guards are felled by insidious fumes from the mummy case.
2: Yes, this panel shows them both collapsing unconscious to the ground. The second one holding his throat, so that must be very unpleasant. The caption for panel three says... While coming up the grand stairway... We see half a dozen bad guys, presumably in the employ of the ghost. One of them says...
0: The guards must have dropped like flies by now.
2: No one stands a chance against the ghost. (laughs) And we see in the foreground of the panel... A couple of statues of what look like Viking figures with horned helmets and capes and big muscly arms. But then, in the next panel, with a couple of crack sound effects, Hawkman and Hawkgirl emerge from inside these statues. Shades of Sportsmaster in Brave and Bold 61. Yes,
1: uh definitely.
2: And as they emerge from their statue hideaways, Hawkman cries,
1: Time to spring from undercover and grab ourselves a ghost.
2: Hawkgirl says, I thought you didn't want his name mentioned, but just like a husband... It's all right if you say it. Oh, gosh. In the next panel, the Hawks fly towards the bad guys. One of them cries, Hawkman and Hawkgirl. And another one cries, Clip these gate-crushing canaries. Arrive at the top of page nine. And yes, you've guessed it. It's a fight scene between the Hawks and the bad guys. But there's a bit of dialogue we should probably cover. Hawkman says,
1: The ghost's playing it cool. He didn't show up this time. He must have known I'd be here. The ghost... Mentioning that name again? Talk about double standards.
2: I wish he were here. Show him up for the phony phantom. Phantom? That's a new name for an old... And then they're cut off, as there's a shriek sound effect. The sarcophagus that the gas emerges from hinges forward, and the ghost appears saying, Hot Girl, you sound just like a nagging wife. Final panel of page nine is a caption that says,
0: As mocking laughter drifts back at the taunting teammates.
2: Yes, with a laugh, we see the ghost legging it. Hot Girl says, It's him! Escaping with the emerald necklace. Hawkman says, I
1: won't muff this chance to prove there's no such thing as a ghost.
2: You arrive at the top of page 10.
0: But as Hawkman dashes into the next hall in pursuit.
2: This obviously is still part of the Egyptian exhibition. We see him running past five mummified figures. The first one says, I'm the ghost. And it laughs. And the second one says, No, (laughs) ha ha ha, I am. Then the next one says, There's, quote, No such thing as a ghost. Unquote. And laughs. And Hawkman, getting exasperated now, says,
1: Blast! He's left nothing but talking bandages behind him.
2: Gosh. A quick change of scenery for the next panel. The caption for it says, Shortly, the ghost
0: anxiously aims the glittering green rays of the priceless ancient Egyptian emerald at the lovely Zeta's sightless eyes.
2: Well done, Pete, see, in one go. Yes, we see him. I love the disembodied gloves here. We can just yeah. sort of see the, the space between the gloves and the cuff. Holding the emerald, shining it towards Zeta, and he's saying, His is your sight returning? Do you see anything? Even a glimmer?
1: No. All is dark as before. This isn't the gem that can restore my sight. It, it's alright. You've done your best.
2: The ghost is holding his hands up in fists, looking very frustrated as he says, No! I'm not done yet. I vow I won't rest until I find a unique gem that will make you see again. Tita is crying now as she puts her glasses up towards her face, saying,
1: But... You must give up your life of crime. You must reform.
2: A slow dissolve. The caption for the final panel of page ten. While back in their hotel suite. Yep. She is reading the paper again. She's got loads of newspapers sprawled around her. She looks fantastic here, actually. A short green dress and some slippers with little fluffy bits on the front. Who, Mama? She's saying. Carter. The papers are filled with news of Paris's latest high-fashion show, at which the celebrated Fire Ruby will be displayed. Don't you think that G-H-O-S-T is sure to try to steal it? And that you ought to plan to counter his next move? Carter, again with his hands in the air, says, I'm thinking, and I'm planning. Again, this all seems very familiar, doesn't it, listeners? Mm -hmm. Top of page 11, the very long, lengthy caption for this first panel says,
0: The next day at the Maison Malmon, models display the latest fashions from bikinis to furs. Shining with a witch's fire is the fire ruby when a spectral figure leaps out from nowhere
2: and... Yes, I'm going to try and describe this to you as best I can, listeners. There's a stage, a few models on it. We can see the the crowd sitting down watching the the show. There's a guy with a moustache who looks like he's wearing a sort of blue bellboy outfit. There's a lady beside him who's blonde, wearing a big pink hat and a short pink dress. Two people wearing almost ankle-length long coats and furry hats that obscure their faces. A dark-haired girl in a bikini... A red-haired girl wearing a sort of blue-black jacket and orange bell-bottoms, and another girl wearing a fitted orange top that's kind of translucent and baggy white trousers that make it look as though she's walked out of a production of Aladdin or something. And in front of all this, running past them, bearing the ruby, is the gentleman ghost. Now, the girl in the pink hat cries, It's the ghost! And Craddock is saying, Don't panic, ladies. All I want is the ruby. Sorry I neglected to warn you I was going to be an added attraction on your show. And he laughs. And I can't do a laugh because i got a sore throat. The next panel shows Hawkman and Hawkgirl leaping into action and we can see that they were the figures on the stage wearing the long coats and the big furry hats. As Hawkman removes his coat and hat, he says, Stay for the rest of the show, Hawkgirl. The ghost's mine. Just like a man having all the fun. Smash the patriarchy, Hawkgirl. Damn straight. The next panel shows the ghost legging it through an open doorway, his laughter echoing as Hawkman follows and says, Laugh all you want now. The last laugh will be mine. The caption for the next panel says, But as the winged fury
0: races into the storeroom, he is met by the waxen tittering of mannequins.
2: The waxen tittering of mannequins, there you go. Imagine you got that on Scrabble. There's a mannequin, right enough, female-bodied. Hawkman punches its head as it goes flying, and a voice says, (laughs) Ha ha ha! You can't catch a ghost! Hawkman looks exasperated as the voice continues, saying, What is a ghost? Nothing but nothing, and it laughs as Hawkman holding the head of the mannequin says Mocking me with Talking Wax Heads Yeah, it must be another tape recorder I think.
1: Talking Wax Heads is a Talking Heads tribute band.
2: It would be a great name for a Talking
1: Heads tribute band. They also do a Building a Bridge to Your Heart as well as a bonus.
2: <laughs> Don't make me laugh and I've got a sore throat. That's tonight's good night song. <laughs> the final panel of page 11 shows the gentleman ghost who seems to be disappearing down a, a manhole that he's opened up in the floor of this building with a fashion show was taking place as he descends into the hole he's saying you're checkmated again Hawkman and he laughs and Hawkman replies the ghost disappearing into the cellar now the next page is phenomenal I hope you've got a hold of a copy of issue 44 of the atom and Hawkman or perhaps you found showcase presents Hawkman that reprints it mm. great stuff the caption for the first panel of page 12 says
0: diving into the subterranean opening Hawkman finds himself in the gloomy depths of
2: yes Hawkman says
1: Paris sewers my fantastic foe's boxed himself in this time. There's no way he can escape me.
2: Yes, and we can see the ghost running through the, the sewer water, splishing and sploshing as he goes. A caption for panel two. In the dark waterways. Yes, the water level is very high by this point. It's up to shoulder height, actually. The ghost, he's struggling. He cries, help, help, I'm sinking. Hawkman, oh, swimming after him now, says... "'A ghost who can't swim.
1: This proves he's a real man. "'Soon as I catch him, I'll have some peace from my wife's ceaseless
2: chattering.'" The next panel, Hawkman has caught up to the ghost, who is crying, "'Save me!' His head and his hands poking out the water, Hawkman grabs him round the wrist, saying, "'I've got
1: you. I... huh? His arms come loose.'"
2: "'Yes, it looks it like it's broken off. Oh, goodness me, the caption for the next panel says, "'Another frenzied crab by the winged wonder.'" Yeah, we see Hawkman reaching forward as the ghost says, "'Don't let me drown!' Hawk replies,
1: "'Stop your meowling. I'll save you. I wouldn't dream of letting you sink out of sight.' The
2: caption in for the next panel.
0: To his consternation, the frustrated Hawkman discovers that
2: all he has of his elusive opponent is... He's holding the ghost's top hat. The ghost's voice comes from the hat, saying, "'How kind of you to save me, Hawkman!' And he laughs, saying, "'I'll leave you with my hat, and a promise.' You haven't seen the last of me. Ha 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 ha! As Hawkman says. Now he's talking through his hat. Yes, Hawkman's had it up to here, hasn't he, listeners? The caption for the final panel of page 12.
0: Later, like a fiery scimitar, the fire ruby flashes at the lovely fortune teller's sightless eyes.
2: Yes, we can see that the, the ruby is on a sort of gold circlet. Craddock is holding it up before Zita, the red light flaring, as he says. Don't just stand there, not saying a word. I know. I know. I've failed again. Zita lunges forward, grabbing him and embracing the first panel of page 13 as she says, No. No. You've succeeded. I can see. I can see for the first time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. The next panel. The ghost is actually walking away, looking very sad. As he says, You're grateful to me now, but how long will you be able to stand a man without a face? No. No. I'll come back when I've recovered my body. Until then, farewell. Zeta, looking hopeless, waves after him, saying, I'll wait for you forever. And the caption for the closing panel says, And? We see the hawks in flight. Hawk Girl saying, Hawkman, what was that you said about there being no such thing as a ghost? Ah, go tend to your flying. And the closing caption says, So, there you have it, readers. We've
0: presented the facts, but have they been twisted and distorted to deceive you? What do you think? Hmm? The The end. end. For For now.
2: Gosh. Well then, not quite as much fun as the first one. The the romantic subplot for the ghost was Mm -hmm. a bit of a surprise, but still some gorgeous artwork. Still rattled along.
1: I feel this could be the start of Asatana's quest equivalent for the Gentleman Ghost as he tries to find his body. Yes. I could see him appearing in like other titles and everything and encountering other characters.
2: Perhaps in issue 11 of The Spectre.
1: <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, but I can totally see, imagine that happening. That, that would have been fantastic yes. if they'd just run with that sort of thing. Obviously, you know, sadly, that doesn't happen.
2: When is the next time he appears, then?
1: Yeah, sadly, it's ages before Gentleman Ghost reappears right. again. It's not until 1976 in Justice League, uh, I think it's 128. Gosh. And he comes back, and then after that, he's got his Batman appearances that we've already mentioned.
2: I can't remember if I've got issue 128 of Justice League or if that was purged or survived. I'll have to have a look. I've got quite a few from that mm. period. Justice League 128, that's quite close to that Carrie Bates written JLE-JSE team-up that's very, very interesting and features our man and the Spectre. I'm looking forward yes. to that one. Yeah, it's going to be good. I would have been quite into a Gentleman Ghosts quest mm-hmm. ongoing storyline. It's very interesting. I mean, so the way that issue is resolved, again, is sort of asking us the question, Reader, what do you think? Is he a ghost or is it, is it all fake? Now, I think yeah. because we've seen his hanging and such things, it's, Yeah, has he just purely been transported forward in time and is using technology just to mess with Hawkman? It's interesting, isn't it? I would say he's definitely a ghost
1: because the things that he can do, you know, he doesn't have a face and, you know, he thought she's psychic because she can. she's the only person that can actually feel my face. Yeah. That seems to be quite genuine and honest. That seems to be his thoughts, not actually him trying to put across a character. Uh-huh. So I'd say he's definitely a ghost. Yeah. Whereas by comparison, the Golden Age one, it, it appears to be a guy using tech.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I like though that they they kind of fog the issue slightly. If you pardon the pun of the London mm-hmm. references, and kind of set it up for to encourage the reader to think about it and maybe speculate on what's really going on.
1: I love how Hawkman is so strong in his belief that it's all hokum and nonsense, even though he's he's seen magic users. Yes, he literally Zatanna first appeared in his comic. So <laughs>
2: yes, and he must have worked with Doctor Fate and a JLA-JC crossover by this point. I'm sure he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: I think he was in the one that the Spectre was in.
2: It's quite interesting how he's presented as being dogged and stuffy and not believing, whereas Hot Girl is shown as a little bit more relaxed and a little bit less sceptical and more open to it. Yeah. That's a sort of familiar sort of trope that I've seen in many comics.
1: It's the flip of Mulder and Scully, basically. Aye,
2: that's fair. (laughs) It's definitely a fun couple of stories, and it's unusual at this point, really, for stories to continue from issue to issue. Mm Mm-hmm. Part two reads fine if you haven't read part one, but also it doesn't yeah. really link too strongly to part one. Only really the flashback to London, I suppose. But it was it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating reading about how you know this is the gentleman goes turning up on enough one. That's just amazing. It's a light yeah. as you, as you, obviously with your summaries at the start. There's obviously more mm-hmm. similarities in this one. You know he's in Paris this time, and I I yeah. like the idea of I dig it. Of you know it's almost like the. The repetition of the origin of Superman and the the repetition of the origin of Batman happening on mm-hmm. the same earth decades apart. It's fascinating that this is a similar launching. Uh-huh. It is amazing.
1: Indeed, yeah. He is just such a fascinating character. As I alluded to earlier on, there are interesting developments post-crisis. I think it's in the Jeff Johns Hawkman series that talks about the reincarnation of Hawkman and Hawkgirl throughout all of time. And they've been characters in the past. When they were Nighthawk and Cinnamon in the Old West, yes. Jim Craddock was there. There's a misunderstanding and Nighthawk thinks that he assaulted Cinnamon. Right. And ends up being killed, but in doing that, he's kind of tied into their reincarnation. So basically every time they come back, then the Gentleman Ghost is there.
2: Oh, right. I'm not sure what I think about that, actually. That's a bit convoluted, isn't it? Yeah, it's,
1: it's quite weird, but it's also it just, again, cements him as a supernatural character. Yes. I always like the question mark over him, whether he is or not. Yeah. Which was half the fun of reading those Golden Age stories. I'm so glad yeah. I checked them out.
2: Um, I remember I'm also turning up in the, the final few issues of GSA, the series that launched in 1989, when they got Paul. This is run about the Final Crisis, I think. Mm-hmm. Where they did the whole one year later thing, but just we run about that time, they had the gentleman ghost pop up in the final issues of that series that, that Paul Levitts actually wrote. Now, I can't remember if that's before or after the Hawkman story you were just talking about. I think it was published afterwards.
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: And I remember at the time being very frustrated that after all the stuff with Jeff and James Robinson throughout that JSA series, these Paul Levitt stories, well, it was cool because he'd written the JSA in the past. Yeah. They felt like throwbacks. They were, they were really quite unsatisfying. I really remember not liking them very mm. much. However, I have obviously picked out the covers, all of them, to stick up in the socials. So you'll see them, listeners, if you if you take a look.
1: Well, of course. Now, sadly, as I said before, Adam and Hawkman was cancelled fairly shortly after this. However, that doesn't stop you from telling us what you think about these stories. You can email us at theearth at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we have lots of ghostly, or non-ghostly, <laughs> content for you this week. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast, and on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2.
2: Yes, I'll take this opportunity to say hello to David Clyde, one of our listeners who I was speaking to in FP the other week, and I'll say hello to my friend Kevin George, who's recently started listening, but the last time I spoke to him, he was up to episode 15, so it's going to be a long time before he is this, but good evening, big show. Thank you for listening. And in fact, we've had some
1: interesting correspondence
2: of late, haven't we, David? We certainly have. Our good friend Steve Higgins, who appeared in our 100th episode, he emailed us after issue nine of the Spectre saying, hey Peter and David, hi Steve, I wanted to drop you an actual email about something that happened in the ninth issue of Spectre, which you covered on the podcast recently. There was a little joke that you failed to pick up on Ooh. through no fault of your own and I wanted to share it with you really quickly. Uh-oh, the joke appears in the second story with the stage magician, the fantastic first. And if you remember listeners, that was the Bernie Wrightson story with the devil popping up and people becoming prime ministers and armies dissolving and stuff. At the beginning of the story, the character is doing his show, and he says magic words to make the bird disappear. What you might not have realised, being Scottish and not from the American Midwest, (laughs) is the magical words he uses were actually geographical references to cities in the Great Lakes region. Wow. Waukegan, hard G, pronounced Waukegan, hard G, is in Illinois on the western side of Lake Michigan. It's north of Chicago and very close to the Wisconsin border. Meanwhile, Kalamazoo is a city in Michigan about 40 miles east of the lake. I had no idea that that was an actual place. I just thought it was something from a Disney film. There you go. Steve continues. Denny O'Neill, who wrote the story in question, was also from the Midwest, hailing from St. Louis, Missouri, originally. Oh, there you go. I imagine he probably dropped in the names of those cities as mystic syllables as a bit of an in-joke to fellow Midwesterners. Anyway, just thought I'd share... Keep up the great work. Steve Higgins. <laughs> Florison, M.O., open brackets, which stands for Missouri. Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you Thanks, for that, Steve. Steve. Much appreciated. That is interesting. That is fascinating. Mm. We've had another letter.
1: We certainly have. Alex Bredner has written to us again, saying, Hello, Peter and David. I've been wondering about something for a while now, Uh-oh. and I thought I should just ask you both and satisfy my curiosity. How do you actually pick the individual comics which you review on the show? In my imagination, I can see two different scenarios. Number one, you're both sitting at a giant round table, just like the Silver Age Justice League with the Earth 2 podcast symbol printed in the center instead, studying a giant blackboard just like Rip Hunters, which is all your notes about which comics to review and a timeline leading from DC's glorious golden age to the modern age of DC comics. This board would, of course, be full of calculations and esoteric symbols, which would only have meaning to you both. And at the end of the process, the next comic to be reviewed manifests itself out of thin air. You grab it and then slide down your personal bat pole. No, that doesn't sound right. Let's call them pod poles instead. To the studio for your next exciting episode.
2: I sense a photo opportunity there, actually. If any <laughs> you- we'll have to find it, see if we can find a blackboard somewhere. Anyway.
1: Or scenario number two. It's more like the cover of 1981's All-Star Squadron Issue 1, where all the possible candidate comics are lying on the table. Then you both, in superhero costume of course, sort through the comics and debate with each other until a consensus is reached. However, if that isn't possible, and you're both stuck on a particular favourite, you invite your Black Canary guest star (laughs) voice to break the tie, and the final choice is made. So guys, enlighten me. How is it done?
2: I made up a big list, Alec. When we first started talking about it, I sat down with a book. And a pen and went through Mike's Amazing World website, each DC comic title published per month, from like Flash Two Worlds up to the End of Crisis, using my own knowledge mm-hmm. and made a note of everything that I thought we should cover. And then Pete C and I debated about whether or not we were going to do every other parallel world story. So they were added to the list. After we started recording, mm-hmm. as you'll be aware, because we've done a lot of flashback episodes, we found out about other stories, which we got added. Yeah. Jonathan Last, I hope I've got his name right, he made us aware of the story in Green Lantern issue 32. When we were recording the early episode where we did two issues of Superboy, the letters page told us about an issue of action comics that we'd have to do as well. Yes. So we basically we started with a big master list and we've added to that as we've gone along to a point we've managed to add stuff before we've had to record it. But here and there we've discovered stories that we sort of thought we should probably do, so we've done them as flashbacks. But to be fair, if we'd known about, say, the Tommy Tomorrow story or the Zinaro story or whatever and we'd done them before we did. Yeah. If we'd been able to stick to a completely chronological storyline it would have been a long time before we got to Flash 1, 2, 3.
1: It certainly would have, yes.
2: Which I think is one that listeners probably would have expected to hear quite early on so mm-hmm. it's worked out quite well. The flashbacks kind of mix it up for us and hopefully they mix it up a bit for, for you too just to kind of give a bit of variety. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it. We wrote up a big list.
1: <laughs> yeah. One of the other resources we used was the Crisis the Earths Companion. Yes book that came with The Absolute Crisis of Infinite Earths which lists all the parallel worlds as well and we used that to discount uh, imaginary worlds Mm. as well because we decided fairly early on not to cover them apart from very exceptional circumstances
2: obviously we talked about such things when we did Superman 215 quite recently yeah it's interesting because the crisis companion basically says every imaginary story operated in a certain earth and it took the sort of liberty i think actually of ascribing certain earth designations to certain stories that didn't quite match up mm-hmm. so the the story in flash one six seven about mopey i think was yeah said to have taken place in the same earth as the story from green lantern issue 32 green lantern's wedding day one of our earliest yeah. episodes which is well worth checking out it's great fun a bit of a bit of a hidden gem we released our first episode just about, just over two years ago, but we started sort of planning and talking about it that I think it was the August before that. So it yeah, was
1: a long time ago.
2: Yeah. We did a lot of prep mm-hmm. before we started recording and releasing because we wanted to be careful. We didn't want to miss anything out. Exactly. Because there's some things that Mike's doesn't mention. And it's big list of, you know, the Earth 2 chronology. You know, there's some things which are debatable, like the Wildcat and Brave and Bull, for example. But there's a few obvious Earth 2 mm-hmm. stories that Mike didn't mention. So, but again, that's where our own knowledge kind of came into it. Yeah. And occasionally we've debated about certain stuff that we're going to cover. And as you have seen, occasionally we've gone off in little slight tangents. If, mm-hmm. if it still allows us to maybe tie into our multiverse idea, if it lets us talk about characters that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise talked about. Again. That keeps it fresh for us and hopefully makes it fresh for the listener.
1: It does indeed. As you've said as well, we use our own knowledge to just flavor everything and add to the list. Because you know, things like the Starman that uh, James Robinson didn't yes. know about, that we talked about in our Starman of the Silver yep. Age story. You know, that's that's something that popped up because I happened to see the issue and I bought the issue. And yeah. Yeah, that was great fun.
2: You know, when it occurred to me that it was worth mentioning that MF Enterprises had a Doctor Fate, yeah. which I was quite content to, to do in passing with issue mm. a shoe 55 or Showcase, but then Peter had the idea that you know, we could do a full episode because there were so many other characters. Let's just do it. And we could talk about the Captain Marvel legacy name and talk about all the other people with similar names like Plastic Man and the Ray that turned up. So,
1: And that's turned yeah. out to be one of the most popular episodes, so I'm glad you folks enjoyed it. Yeah.
2: It has, very much so.
1: And if you haven't heard it, listener, check it out because it's really, really interesting. It
2: is. It pure is. So thanks for your email, Alec. Hopefully that answers it. Maybe not as quite as excitingly as you (laughs) speculated upon, but it has certainly given us the idea for a couple of photo recreations that we might try and attempt at some point in the future. Yes,
1: we'll give that a bash Mm. at some point. Mm. Mm. So on that bombshell... I've been Peter.
2: He has been Peter. And I've been David. Thank you for joining us. We will see you again very soon on the, the Earth, Earth 2, 2 Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated.
0: Return coordinate set for Earth Prime.
1: What a handsome, sensitive face, monsieur. So firm. So firm. So firm. firm. A firm. <laughs> I would mean, like a room with a fern.